tap into the psychology of engagement and more. This is where we talk about life, learning, and everything in between. This is the Lifelong Podcast, a show for those of you who love to ask why. Because we're marketers. It's because we're coaches. It's because we're change makers. Each week, we dive into the big questions and explore the psychology of engagement with strategies, tactics, and special guests along the way. Now, here's your guide, the visibility hacking queen herself, Coach Molly. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to the Lifelong Podcast. I'm your host, Coach Molly from visibilityhacking.com, and as per usual... Super glad you're here. You really could be doing anything else in the world right now, but instead you're choosing to spend it here and having this conversation. It'll be fun. Today, we're going to have a lot more fun than we usually do. So I am quite excited for this one. Before we dive into the conversation, though, we have to pay the bills. So let's remind you to find me on all of your favorite social platforms, including Clubhouse. I'm at Coach Molly with an E. That's where we get down and dirty and we get into nice, deep conversations about everything from disrupting our education system to having CEO gratitude hours to looking at social media strategy and podcast strategies so much. Come join me. All right. Business over. Let's get back to the fun. So today it's Thursday, which means it's time for yet another conversation episode. And today, today, backstory. There's always a backstory, right? So we all know that I went to this crazy high school where there was some crazy people there. And one of them is this super cool science fiction author. His name's Cory Doctorow, super obsessed with him. And he was the first person I ever met who became a paid author. Like they actually got, not only got paid to write something, but then other people were reading it. And then companies would actually go ask Corey to write for them. And I, this just blew my mind. The idea of actually being paid to be a writer. So cool. So then I decided that I, I was going to be a writer. So I published my first book when I was like 15 or 16 years old. I made the book myself. I ran a publishing company called Seed Press and then later started my own company. It was great. Great way to get through high school, my friends. But then I kind of decided that being an author wasn't really going to work for me. It, it was going to take a little bit too much and you needed to apparently go to university and study and, and all of this. And why do I say that? I say that because I was in line at a bookstore in the city of Toronto in line and the lineup was huge. It just kept going. And I waited all the way till I was second in line in front of the cashier about to pay for my book. And this lady with white curly hair walks in front of me and buds me in line. And I go, excuse me, lady, did you not see the line? And she turns at me and goes, do you even know who I am? And I looked up at her and I knew exactly who she was. And I said, ma'am, you should have stuck to being a poet. (laughs) That's what I told Margaret Atwood when I was 16 years old. So maybe, maybe I should have kept my mouth shut because authors are really incredible people. They're incredibly brilliant. They're incredibly creative, but no one's going to read their books unless they know that they're out there. And so let's today talk to this guy who not only is a super creative writer himself, but he also helps facilitate those discussions and he helps facilitate that for people because he hosts a podcast that not only celebrates authors, both independent and highly published, 
but also he kind of shines a light on the whole world of writing and reading. And my friends, I want to introduce to you our guest for today on the show. I want to introduce to you my favorite breakfast. I mean, Jeff Bacon. Nice to meet you. Hey, nice <laughs> to meet you too. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. So tell my audience who doesn't know you yet, because they will. Who Don't are worry. you and what do you do? Well, I'm just a little guy from Wisconsin who happens to write some books and has a podcast. I also do IT consulting and a few other things, but you know, anything I can do to pay the bills, but mostly I do authoring and I do podcasting. So tell us about the books you write. What kind of stuff do you write? I write dark fantasy, borderline horror. So I, I, I try and write a uh, kind of a thriller piece. I like to take conspiracy theories and just kind of blow them up and see what happens. So that's what that's my current series is. I have a few other things out there that I'm playing with, like a kind of a dark steampunk type thing that I'm doing. Uh, Yeah, it's kind of cool. We'll see what happens. Um, I've got that out. I've got my my first one out to uh, some beta readers. Um, I've got two other books coming out in the dark side of good this year that I'm playing with. Unfortunately, um, they're supposed to be out in 2020. Didn't happen. So they're going to be coming out here in, in, uh, in, a, in a short while. Um, I need to make some changes to them and everything. So, yeah, you know, but 2020 happened and gosh, nothing else happened as far as publishing goes. So there we go. But I am in an anthology that really kicks butt. Um, it's called From the Shadows. It's with the uh, Facebook group uh, Indian, uh, Indie Fantasy Addicts. And it is like 714 pages long. I'll just grab a copy of it here. Just so you understand, you can buy this book and also use it for a doorstop or yes. carry it in your car for self-defense, whatever you want to do. But it is. That's what I always say about books. Yeah. If you don't like them, you can read them and get some info out of them. If not, great for self-defense. The uh, nice thing about this book is it's got all these different authors in here. Some are USA Today bestsellers. Some of them are Amazon bestsellers. I mean, it's it's all over the boards as far as the talent goes. I love those types of anthologies for the fact that you get to work with a whole bunch of different authors. Um, now, <clears throat> question is, where's a podcast come into all this? Yeah. Here's the thing. When you're an indie author, you struggle. You struggle to get your book out. So you publish it on Amazon or you go wide with Kobo and iBooks, blah, 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 blah you know, whatever. And the problem is, is that unless you're willing to spend a ton of money on advertising, no one's really going to know that that book's out there. You know, there's like 4.5 million books on Amazon. Guess what? You're just a little read in a sea of books, you know. So what I thought was two things. Number one, I'd been on podcasts before and I didn't really like the format. You know, ask me a question, I answer it. And, you know, you here, you have 15 minutes, go, you know, and it, it, it was very cho- cho- uh, short and choppy, I guess is, would be the best way to say it. And so what I try and do is I try and take these authors who are awesome. They're incredible, each one in their own way. And not only talk about their books and anything else they want to plug, because everybody's got all these different projects that they work on, whether it be coaching, whether it be this, yeah. that, whatever, but also, so you kind of get a feel for what their personality is. You know, are they fun? Are they, you know, very serious? What do they love? What do they hate? You know, that type of stuff. And it, it, it's always a great conversation. I've never had a bad conversation with an author. Um, 
and, and understanding their personalities, I think, especially in fiction, gives you a much better read on, on uh, you know, how they came up with their ideas and how they built their worlds and why they built them, you know, and their experiences, whether it be that they have, you know, experience in war or whether it be that they have this overly active imagination and they loved unicorns when they're young, you know, or I've always loved fairies. And this is why I write, you know, about the Fae, you know, or, or Celts or, you know, whatever it is. And you really kind of get into the mind of the author, at least I try to Mm -hmm. Um, just like, and I kind of make it like, you, you know, we're just sitting down at a bar, having a beer, you know, or something like that. And it, it becomes very, uh, um, the, the conversation goes from talking about a book to really getting in depth with the author. And all of a sudden an hour shoots by, it's like, Hey, we gotta, we gotta, we gotta go. You know, <laughs> um, boy, a lot of these authors I could spend two, three hours just talking to. And, and that's probably too long for my podcast, but anyway, <laughs> so that's what I do. <laughs> and what drew you to being an author first? Um, a couple of things. Um, I, I loved reading when I was young. I, I loved reading basically Stephen King, you know, and I, and, and I'd read, you know, some books from some other authors, but basically it was, it was all Stephen King. And that was the rage of eighth grade, you know, and all the way through high school, I was just like, Oh, did you see that new book that came out and anything else horror that came out, you know, it was, it was fine. And that was a long time ago. When I got into college, I stopped reading because I was reading all sorts of other stuff like psychology books, accounting books, you know, just depending on what my major was that particular month. But um, I I got into computer science. And so I spent from 1994 until about 2008, only reading Microsoft and only reading about, you know, SQL server and reading about, you know, data structures and, you know, hardware and And a friend of mine pointed out, he says, well, you know, we're just kind of talking. He goes, hey, what do you read? I said, well, you know, this is the current book I'm looking at. And here I'm I'm reading about Python. Woohoo. You know, it's a new programming language coming out. He goes, man, you need to read for enjoyment. And it just kind (laughs) of, yeah, you're probably right. You know, and it's just one of those conversations where I'm sitting there like, "Eh," you know, whatever. So he came back to work the next day and he brought me three books. He said, you should sit down and just read these. They're real quick reads. They're funny. They're, they're really well written. And you know what? Have some fun with it. You know, maybe you should read for enjoyment. It's like, I used to, I guess, I guess I can do that. And I read those three books in three days and gave them back to him and said, you got any more? Yep, sure do. He'd hand me three more. And, you know, and so I ripped through this series and I started buying books, you know, just, just books that I wanted to read, you know, and whether they be fiction or nonfiction or historical fiction or whatever. And then I got a a really crazy idea that I could write a book. I've been talking about it for years and I always thought, well, I'm going to write a computer book, you know, a, a, you know, nonfiction type book or whatever. And, you know, kind of did it kind of didn't do it it wasn't real great and it you know I, I was sitting there I was just driving and all of a sudden it just kind of hit me I, I was making up stories in my mind it's like I should go into fiction 
you know, it's, it's much more interesting than this boring stuff that I'm trying to write. And I'd written some articles for some people and did some ghostwriting and did some other things, you know, and, and it, it all turned out fine because I'm taking their ideas. But then I started thinking, okay, what can I write about? So then I, you know, one thing that I love doing in my spare time, you know, you're sitting there and you're watching a, a server load up or something like that. Oh, let's go see what the current conspiracy theory is. So I took a bunch of conspiracy theories I loved following and turned it into a book. And then it's like, okay, bucket list done. Got one book. Maybe I should write a second. <laughs> Maybe I should write a third, you know? And then I, you know, that was, that was basically 2019 when I, when I published those three. Oh, that's really cool. And... I think it's fascinating that you take um, like your conspiracy theories, for example, and you just roll with it and you, you ask yourself, what if, and just immerse yourself in that environment. Have you ever found yourself <laughs> figuring out that like walking down that what if path and realizing that you would rather be in that fictional world or are conspiracy theories usually going to lead you down some dystopian handmaid's tale kind of route well yeah kind of that <laughs> i mean the uh, the worlds that i create out of this out of the uh conspiracy theories i don't think anybody wants to live in them and the problem is is that's the uh the book four that i have um was written in 2019 to start off with and i was going to finish it up in 2020 and i kind of ran out of time because of work and everything else well COVID helped with the work thing but it dealt with a virus and a vaccine and all this other stuff it's like yeah let's not do that right now you know <laughs> so then i um I wrote, uh, yeah, I was like, uh, we'll just wait till this all blows over in eight weeks. Like everybody says it's going to, yeah, that worked <laughs> out well. And then, uh, you know, so I'll work on book five and I'll work on book six, you know, and, and we'll just do bing, bing, bing again. And so then I got book five kind of, you know, outlined and rough drafted and I got book six outlined and it was, you know, it wasn't too bad. I started kind of writing that, you know, just adding the layers to it and everything else that I possibly could. And um, the problem was I looked back at book four and it's like, oh, that's not that good. Okay, let's, let's change this. Let's do this. Oh, you know, and the problem with going back and rewriting things is that, you know, especially if you've rewritten, you know, or you've already written, you know, what's going to be book five. Yeah. I killed some people that lived in book five. So I had to go back and rewrite book five to make sure that they were dead. And you know, that caused all sorts of problems. And yeah. So it, you know, and even though resurrection is a thing that I deal with, it, these guys couldn't come back because it just made the story so much better. If they're just obliterated, gone, see, ya, you know, no, no, no heaven, no hell. You're just gone. <laughs> so, you know, yeah. So I had, I, I I'm in the process of, of uh, throwing that out to some beta readers um, and see what they think. And then once they think that, they'll send it to my editor and see how bad he beats me up. <laughs> oh, that's cool. I am a huge fan. Like I have to say, if I mostly read nonfiction, but when I read fiction, it's all dystopian. Like it's 1984 would be my favorite book. Second favorite book would probably be Animal Farm, maybe Brave New World. And I just, having grown up with that as my canon of literature, when I when I reach adulthood or as I reach adulthood, I look around and, and look at what's happening in 2020, for example, and go, oh, this is predictable. 
yeah. all right about this. Like, I see where this is going. And it's unfortunately because of these darker kind of um, the evil of the world books that I would read. But it's kind of, I think, set me up to be a more resilient human overall. So what do you think books do um, to inspire us to be either better people or worse people? Or what can dystopian literature teach us about the future? Well, you know, when you take people's imagination and you fly off the handle with it, you know, and you create these worlds, these magic systems and everything else. And what you become is you become kind of a fictional sounding board for what the possibilities possibly could be. And so I'm sure that you saw during the COVID, you know, how many books were dealing with viruses and dealing with, you know, world plagues and this and that, and oh my gosh, it's the end of the world. And, you know, you know, there's lots of people are hanging on to their signs going, yeah, it's the end of the world. You know, we're all going to die. Oh, wait till version six comes out of COVID. It's going to kill us, you know, type stuff. And, you know, but when you're, when you're writing something that's dystopian or you're writing something that is, is truly wicked as far as building a world, you're dealing with fears and you're dealing with not only the fears of your readers and whatever they interpret that you read, but also things that you come up with. It's like, what's the worst possible situation we could, we could be in. Okay. Let's write that. Okay. Now let's step it up a little bit. Now let's take my, my hero and just spank them, you know, just, just make them, just make them hurt, you know? And, Oh, well he, he lived through that. Let's try this, you know, and you smack him again. And, you know, sometimes, a story, you know, sometimes real, you know, the realism of the world mimics a story. And sometimes the story mimics the world. And the problem is with, you know, 2020 and 2021, as it's starting to wrap up is I'm not sure how much further you can really go, you know, with reality. Yeah. You know, I mean, this is, this has all been pretty surreal. So if you're going to step that up a notch, you know, okay, where do you go from here? You know, and it, it's got to be, you know, Armageddon, <laughs> you know, well, in, in well. survival type stuff. And, yeah. you know, how, do, how does the world survive after something that wipes out half the population or three quarters of the population or whatever? Yeah. And I think that dwells on, I, I think that really resonates with a lot of people that have this doom and gloom type feeling where they say, okay, this could really happen. You know, even to the extent of if if there's two things that happen that are in their favorite book that's dystopian or or kind of futuristic, you know, or even zombie, uh, you know, horror type stuff or whatever, and they automatically it resonates with them. Like, oh my god, it's it's prophecy. No, <laughs> yeah, it wasn't. You know. Oh, this reminds me of well, one of my it's not a book. One of my favorite movies is Shaun of the Dead. So huh. they all like greatest zombie movie ever. Zombie meets uh, zombie genre meets comedy. For those right. of you who for some reason haven't watched it, go watch it. Um, zombie <laughs> apocalypse happens, and they just you know head on over to the pub, um, and it's just a different a different view, a different set of lenses in order to see that that problem where oh no, the world's coming to an end. It's a zombie apocalypse, but let's just take on that character for a minute. Let's just step into this alternate reality and experience Mm -hmm. it in a different way. So instead of being framed, say you have a crisis event and we as humans, like real world flesh and blood humans are walking into that crisis. We tend to get anxious, nervous, upset, you know, all that kind of negative emotion. And we just get overwhelmed by that at first because that's a threat to our safety we're walking into. 
Right. But if when we when we immerse ourselves in the world of beautifully written fiction, we can enter those same emotional states, but with the safety of knowing it's just a book. We can close the pages when we need to, but we're able to then fully immerse ourselves in an, in an experience in a crisis moment, in an apocalypse, in a zombie apocalypse, in a pub. And know that there is no threat to our safety and we can really try and play that mind game of how would this character handle this, this situation? They are braver than me. They are stronger than me, yet they still have noticeable flaws that make them relatable to me. Um, and I think mm -hmm. that really empowers people. Um, but we also have like <clears throat> horror movies where we can just sit back, enjoy and watch the show. Right. You know, there, there's two aspects of that. Number one, I'm, I'm going to hit on horror movies. You know, I, there was a Geico commercial, I think, or something like that, where they, you know, well, let's run towards the chainsaw, you know, let's go over here, you know, yeah, yeah, it's yeah, all yeah. the really poor choices that people make in horror movies where it's just like, oh no, don't go to the graveyard. Oh, you know? I hear, I hear that creepy noise in the forest. Let's go into the cabin. Yeah. You know, that's, that's a great idea. Wonderful. Glad, glad you did that. Yeah you know, really furthers the plot along, you know, I, you know, the old slasher movies like Friday the 13th, as <laughs> soon as you saw the shirt come off, you knew that there was a machete coming right through it because okay. that's just the way, you know, it's like, okay, <clears throat> I don't know how predict, but we all watched them, you know, just for whatever reason. Um, I think the, uh, the very first horror movie that I really got into, there's two of them, American Werewolf in London and anything to do with Freddy Krueger because I thought that was very imaginative, you know. Yes. You know Freddy Krueger scared the crap out of me as a kid and it was because, well, I wasn't afraid of him looking at him on TV. It was, I was afraid of falling asleep. Exactly. And like, ooh. And then you take that to the next level. I'm from the generation of Saw. I think mm -hmm. Saw revolutionized the horror genre. Total side tangent here, but Saw gave us two different things it gave us just enough gore that the gore kids were all over it but mm -hmm. then it also psychologically screwed with you because it wasn't necessarily about being afraid of what you were seeing on the screen it wasn't about being afraid of falling in a pit of needles it wasn't a, it wasn't that it was knowing that this guy this this saw guy will get into your head so whatever right. you're thinking up going that's not going to scare me that's not going to scare me but deep in your head you know what will that's what's going to show up beautifully done it was very very <laughs> I mean, it was that first movie was so psychologically i don't want to say scarring but it was it was you know it made you think yeah made you think an awful lot about you know the choices that you make and you know the different things that could possibly happen and is there really somebody out there that's going to make me pay the price for my arrogance, my, you know, whatever my personality yeah. flaw is that, you know, happened to tick the wrong person off at the wrong time, you know, type thing. Um, you know, it, 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 it's a beautiful thing when a book can take you down a dark alley and, you know, you really start getting into it. And as you're walking down that dark alley, you actually start hearing, you know, you're reading about the sounds, but then you start hearing the sounds and you're actually so involved with the book that you just, you know, you, you're, you're starting to live the moment that you're reading. And when you do that, the effect of what you're about to propose to them in the book is that, is that much, it, you know, you step it up that much, that much more. Um, 
And it's a talent that a lot of authors, you know, work very hard to get to. And, uh, you know, not saying I'm there at all. Um, but, uh, the, uh, you know, th- that's what everybody tries to get is that, you know, you're, you're living this, this book. You're not, you're not just reading it for entertainment. You're all of a sudden so involved with it that, you know, it's a part of you. Yeah. And I think that you're going back to your question, you know, how does fiction really help humanity? I think fiction and science I think science fiction and fantasy, science fiction tells you what could be. Fantasy, in its own way, in the author's way, I think handles a lot of social dilemmas. Mm, Yeah. Realistically. I mean, if you look at it, there's always, you know, two people at war, two people that are going against each other. There's always that drama, that dramatic climax. You know, you got the hero's journey or however you happen to be writing it and all the personality defects that they have to get over to actually win, mm-hmm. you know, and you have the villain who is, seems to be, you know, four or five steps ahead of the hero all the time, you know, and he's got his own plan of what, what's going on. And, and, you know, that you can, you can dive that right down to, you know, life in the office. Yeah. Everybody's got their arch, you know, their, their nemesis, their arch enemy, you know, Oh, Susan, she's such a, you know, Oh, she's such a snot, you know, you know, <laughs> just can't get the idea out of my head of a dystopian science fiction version of The Office now. Oh, you know what? There, there was something like that. There was, oh. there was a movie out where everybody's working for a corporation and they lock it down and then they have to start killing each other. Oh, um, gosh, Ooh. I can't remember what it was. It was kind of a dumb movie, but it was kind of cool because it was psychological. What would happen if somebody controlled an office building and, and they implanted explosives of an explosives into everybody's head that was the premise of this movie and when they locked the move it down okay you have four hours to pick 10 people to kill if not we're gonna blow up somebody's head and by the way you see charlie right there we're not lying they push a button and his head explodes it's like oh my god okay this is real and so you have all these people pitting against each other trying to figure out who they're gonna kill so it's like the adult version of battle royale you took kind the kids of. who were put who survived it, the island and you grew up and you put them in an office yeah in in an office setting and it is it is really bizarre on how they <laughs> set it up and it's you know you kind of know who's gonna win in the end and and everybody's betraying everybody and you know so the good guy does you know end up winning um and I don't want to spoil the movie too much, but then what's really interesting is that they take the movie and, and they set it up for a sequel because after he wins and he actually kills the bad guy that's in control and hitting all the buttons and exploding heads, um, you know, he ends up dying and they, they kind of end it as, you know, somebody else watching saying we should move him to level three, <laughs> you know, it's just like, Oh God, you know, Oh, it's like that. I don't know what the name of the movie is, but there is a movie that came out. I think it was in 2020 where it's this like fictional prison tower and this floor floats down to the different. I think it might even be called floor. And like this platform moves between the different levels. Oh, it's fascinating. Okay. So on the top of the tower where the platform starts, it starts with a ton of food on it, like this beautiful feast. And it stays at your level for a certain amount of time. And um then it goes down. Yeah. Um, Those gosh. of you listening at home, if you know it, put it down in the comments. Let us know. Like, 
Oh my goodness. Like when, when writers, not only like book writers, but movie writers and story writers in general are able to create those so beautifully constrained worlds for us. Like, I, mm -hmm. I love when they give us just that one building. We don't see any more than that one building that's happening. And for the most part, we this movie takes place on one level of this building. Yeah. But we're introduced to the world. And then on the other side of that, you have, like, the world of fan fiction. So I got into fan fiction because I am a diehard X-Files fan. Like, mm -hmm. head to toe, X-Files everything. So... I was first introduced to X-Files fan fiction in like 1998 when someone wrote this love story between Mulder and Scully and someone mm -hmm. printed it out on, you know, that old printer paper that you'd have to rip apart and rip the seams off, sure. you know, beautiful. And we'd, we'd read this story about Mulder and Scully. And I was like, I don't remember this episode. I remember X-Files being one of the most creatively written shows of its time where they had these special episodes and they'd bring us into these different worlds and different characters and different mm -hmm. times. And it was beautiful. But then it was this world outside of the show itself where like you have the X-Files canon, but then you have everything else that people have created, the possibilities, like everything. And I think that had a lot to do with the return of the show decades later. So what do you think about fan fiction and, and the possibilities that it brings? Well, I mean, look at, I think the best example of fan fiction is Star Wars. Oh, yeah. I mean, you, you know, that movie came out, people are immediately addicted. And, you know, over the course of what was it, five years or six years or whatever it was, you know, the next two came out and it was kind of like, okay, that can't, that can't be the end of Luke Skywalker. I yeah. mean, you know, Yahoo, he won, you know, and everybody wanted to see the backstory, you know, because they, they started in the middle and moved their way back to, you know, the end of the book. And so you had all these people writing fan fiction basically on, you know, the, these are the stories of Han Solo. This is yeah. Luke Skywalker. Here's some new Jedis we're going to introduce. And then you and then end they, up with like the Klingon dictionaries and stuff. Like, well, yeah, for Star Trek. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it, you know, that type of stuff um, not only keeps the, the original creation alive, but it, it adds to the, the lore, mm, you know? Yeah. I mean, it really does. George Lucas said he was trying to start a religion when he wrote Star Wars, you know, he really did a good job. And, you know, he, he was kind of being snarky about it, but he, he really had to figure out what, you know, the dogmatic principles of the Jedi was mm, so that yeah. he could write everything around it. So he, you know, there's this mysterious force that holds everything together and da, 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 you know, and so on and so forth. Gene Roddenberry, when he was, you know, producing Star Trek, uh, really wanted to take a futuristic view at, at current social problems. And he nailed it. And, you know, even though it, what, it lasted, what, two seasons or three seasons or whatever it was, <laughs> you know, his vision of what Star Trek was started a, I mean, it, I mean, who, I don't think he even would have imagined <laughs> that, you know, there'd be Trekkie conventions and there'd be all this and all this fan fiction and all these movies and all these, you know, uh, you know, next generation and, you know, I mean, the and, whole and within thing. the world that he's created, people are having discussions about like social issues that we're Absolutely. like, not just the social issues we're experiencing by watching the film itself, but like who gets to be a captain. And it's like that discussion we're having right now in 2021 about who's allowed to be a Star Trek captain. 
is going to be very different now than what it was when the original series was coming out. And it's so cool that not only does fan fiction allow us to add to the canon and add to the lore and add to the complexity of the world, but then to also modernize it and bring it with us, allowing that to, to stretch throughout time. I'm like, I'm a huge, I have to say, I am definitely not as, as much of a Star Wars fan as I am. A, I am, I am a Trekkie. You're a Trekkie. Okay. Forever. All right. It works. It works. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm old and have arthritis. No, no, I don't. But anyway. And it's so, really I mean, neat to like look at Star Wars versus Star Trek in terms of character development, because in the Star Wars world, you have completely made up races like completely biologically different they just they're they're super creative they're they're the what ifs of of what could exist in space i I think the the difference is that star wars is really a childhood fantasy it really is because it doesn't really adhere to what you what what do you think science fiction is because usually science fiction adheres to you know our understanding of physics or it takes our understanding of physics and actually turns it you know and says okay well this is why this works you know whereas yeah. star trek's very successful at saying okay this is what warp speed is this is why yeah. this works and yeah, they you know, create you've their got, own physics you've always got scotty or some scotty like uh you know well of course we can do this because you know the electrons you know and, and they scientifically actually you know make you believe that this yeah. can happen and it's a possibility whereas yeah. star wars you know i think the biggest complaint amongst most of us is you know in the movies it's like okay you're in space and you're dropping bombs there's no gravity they just float you know i mean it's just you like that (laughs) that you know really makes you it's like okay you just have to understand that this is a childhood fantasy and they're really making it for children you know if you read the books the books are much better than movies as all as always but i mean there's all these different stupid things that happen in star wars it's like okay <clears throat> there there's no way in any real world this is ever going to happen okay you've got gravity you've got you know these other little things of uh, you know laws of uh, the physical nature and i don't care what kind of force you have it's not going to help you survive space by floating yourself into a new uh, cabin you know oh look i'm gonna jet across the space and like i'm not gonna blow up or anything you know i mean so space is totally different in the star wars world yeah and I, I get that. I mean, I, I get, you know, where the directors are trying to go with it, kind of. Um, and, you know, in Star Wars, I think you have to ignore a lot of stuff to enjoy it. Yeah. Just enjoy it for its 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 fantasy <laughs> aspect. Whereas Star Trek, you get into it, and it's like you can really buy into the technology. You know, there is, I mean, you know, the Borg, uh, you know, which is why, okay, that is totally possible. Mm-hmm. And they kind of go through how they make the board, you know, and how the board actually exists and, you know, so on and so forth, you know, and, and how they reversed it in, in Jean-Luc Picard, you know, and, but it's all very, you know, if something gets cured on, uh, on uh, Star Trek, it's not by sheer will. It's because, oh, I developed this pill that, you know, it's a, it's like um the Bible for science fiction but it's it's science it's science first whereas it's so star wars is fiction first it was so forward thinking when they created it that you know now we have cell phones and everybody's going well that's just like star trek you know and so they relate 
things that we have today with our technology back to oh, when back in the 60s gene rodmary predicted this you know and yeah. it's it you know so i mean i think star trek is much better for science fiction yeah star wars is more fantasy because you really yeah. have to you know they they ask you to buy into a lot to be yeah. able to actually you know digest it because some of the stuff they do is just like oh no oh you could have <laughs> You should That's have done me that. through the whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> How does that make sense? But wait. Okay. 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 Yeah. All right. I'm going to skip over that. And we're just going to watch the next part. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know, which is fine. You know, the, the bigger point I want to make with this is that everybody has an imagination and there's never been a better time for anybody who feels so inspired to sit down with a pen and pad or sit down with your computer and, you know, just write out a story. It is very simple to write out a story. It doesn't have to be long. You can do short stories. You can do novelettes. You can do novellas. You can do novels. You can do, you know, you know, 714 page, whatever's you want, you know, whatever you want. And, you know, for, very, I mean, not much money, you know, you can spend, you know, and some author is going to come on and say, oh my God, he's cheaping it out. Okay. I am. But on the other hand, you know, eh, eh, whatever, <laughs> you know, and, and that's fine, but you can go on to applications like Fiverr up, upward or up, upward, upward. Or, you know, whatever it is. And you can get some pretty decent covers made for, you know, under a hundred bucks, you can go find some, some pretty good editors. Um, you know, they're going to cost you 500 bucks and then you can, you know, sign up, go through all the tutorials and everything on Amazon and be an indie published author. You can throw your work out there and then figure out what you want to do with it. You know, you don't have to advertise. You don't have to do all these other things to try and make money on it. You can just throw that idea out and maybe you get picked up. Maybe you don't, you know, by a regular publisher, you can do all sorts of stuff you want. But the important part is, is that never has there been a time where people could take their creativity and turn it into a work and put it out there. And you never know what's going to happen. Lightning can strike, you know, for yeah. most people, it doesn't. For most people, they have to write 10, 15, 20 books, and then they start to get realized, you know, recognized or whatever, or be in so many anthologies and have people like, you know, which is all fine. It's all work. I mean, you don't have to make this your, your full-time job, yeah. but if you have creative ideas, you don't know what kind of effect you can have on society. You don't know what kind of effect your imagination can have on everything else. So why not share it? You know what? And the other thing is, I'm going to tell you right now, there's going to be these people that are out there going to give you one-star reviews. You know what? They can go suck gas. <laughs> That's the nice <laughs> yep. way of putting it. Because yep. you know what? They aren't doing anything but reading books and being critical. There's those people that are sitting out there in society going, no, you can't do that. No, you can't do this. Oh my God, you can't. I can't believe that I spent time reading this book. You know what? <laughs> shut up. Until you yep. publish a book and you get that same treatment, shut up. You know, it's, it's fine if you want to be constructive, but if you just want to be nitpicking and say, this is the worst book in the world, I don't care what you think. I really don't. And if you're going to be a creative and you're going to go out there and you're going to put yourself out there and it's scary and it's exciting and it's, it, it, it's a wonderful experience. I'd say everybody needs to do, you know, 
express yourself, go out there and create something, whether it be poetry, whether it be a not, you know, some sort of a written work, artistry, whatever, go out and create. But when you do that, there are going to be those people in society. They're going to look at you and say, you know, I really didn't like your book. And if they're going to be honest about it, they may, well, I don't really read that genre. I don't really do this. Yeah. I don't do that. You know, or I didn't like the way this ended, you know, and they may give you some constructive criticism. Then there's going to be those mean people that just sit out there and go, oh my God, I didn't like it. I didn't the, like your cover. The funniest thing in the world that I hear from other authors, and it's happened to me too, is somebody gives you a one-star review on book one. And then you see that same person say, well, book two isn't any better. And then they read book three and say, oh my gosh, I am so sorry I wasted my time. I will not be reading book four. Until it's put out. <laughs> and you just sit there and think, well, thank you for buying three books. Yeah, exactly. You know what? Exactly. I really don't care if you want to trash me or not. And you if know. we look back like in our own lives to high school English class, there were definitely books that we didn't connect with. And that's not our fault. That's because no, it's they're books that don't connect with us. But there are amazing books out there. Like I wish high school English teachers would bring more fantasy and would bring more horror and would bring more of the non like traditional classroom books into play just to show their students that there are incredible people putting out incredible ideas into mm -hmm. these awesome books and books don't have to be thousands of pages long people write a novella write like 50 pages like just start yeah. writing yeah but a lot of people find that the biggest obstacle is starting so do you start with once upon a time and then just continue on or what's your process like oh no <laughs> i uh i actually start with action oh Ain't, something's got to happen. I mean, there's, there's in, in my mind, and, and this isn't my original thought, this is stolen from other authors that do the same thing, but the very first line has got to be something happens. Oh, you know, cool. it, it's, yeah. it's gotta be, it can't be once upon a time, there's a prince. Da, 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 da. You know, it's more along the lines of as a sword penetrated my stomach, I thought, Oh, oh I made a mistake. Okay. What's the mistake? What did you do? You Tell know, me more. Yeah. Turning you know. the page. <laughs> yeah. And it's, you know, it's, it's that type of a thing or, you know, something really weird. A yeah. friend of mine had an idea and he said I could steal it and cause he wasn't going to do it and I'm still playing with it. But, you know, so you start off in a war scene and it's all written in, in third person, but okay. so you start with a person, you know, and he's running up a stair, a, a stairwell. And an axe comes down and splits his head. Okay. As he's falling down the stairs, he's like, oh, I'm dying, you know, whatever. Then automatically switches to the guy that actually had the axe. He's running down after the guy and he steps out and he gets shot with an arrow. He's like, oh, I'm dying. Now it flips to the guy who shot the arrow and you flip about seven people. And then you finally get to your main character that you finished the book with. But oh, neat. So like the is, whole book follows this series of characters? Well, you know, your first seven characters are dead and your eighth character is your main character. Like, because I could see that evolving over the series of an entire book or in the first chapter. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, <laughs> that's so it, cool. It, it's a brilliant idea. It's just yeah. like, how do you pull it off? You know? Yeah. And so when you're sitting there, that's the other thing, you know, about writing 
is that you get these sophisticants that have gone to college and gone and had their English classes and know how fiction is supposed to be. And they have all these rules, like you don't do first person and mix yeah. it with third person. Oh, yep. you don't look from this perspective, you know, whatever. You know what? This is the age of creativity. This is an age of indie writers. Do what you want to yeah. do. You know what? If it doesn't work, here's the, here's the great thing about it. And I can't remember who put this uh, this quote out there, but you know, luckily with writing, you can you have a redo, you can rewrite it, you can yeah. re-release it, you can do all sorts of things. If you really screw up your first book, so what? You put it out there. Now you know how the process works. Yeah. Go ahead and rewrite it and put it back out there. Take that one down, put a new one up. Version two, whatever, which is very unlike brain surgery, where you have to get it right the first time. Very unlike brain surgery. <laughs> Oh, yep. 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 So, I mean, and that's, that's where I kind of fall back to my podcast and it's like, okay, you know what? There's all these people out there that say, you know, I'd love to write a book. Yeah. Go do it. Sit down and do it. Take 15 minutes, take 15 minutes and write something down, create a journal, have all your great ideas you know, and then take one and run with it. So what, you know what, even if you write it and don't publish it, at least you wrote it. But then if you just write it, you might as well send it to an editor and see if they can't, you know, help you out with it. And once you do that and you spend that money and you're looking at like, Oh my gosh, what should I do with this? Publish it. Yep. You know what? And then see what happens. You might, you know, be the next movie of the week from Netflix. You might be, you know, the next, you know, you might, you might be writing the next Harry Potter series that kids love. You might be writing something that, that changes lives. You know, you, you really don't know until you put it out there and you don't worry about copying other authors. Like, Oh, I saw this idea over here. I saw this idea. We all do it. Oh my gosh. I need to have a dragon in there. You're not going to be original. But what you will be original with is your interpretation and your story. So everybody's got the same things. You, you've got magic. You've got dragons. You've got wizards. You've got, you know, uh, witches. You've got zombies, you know, whatever it is, you know, unless you come up with something else. Uh, like my daughter really wants me to write a, a uh, small short story on a polar monkaroo. Polar monkaroo. It's a cross between a polar bear, a monkey, and a kangaroo. <laughs> I think you should write that as well. I, yeah, no kidding. <laughs> and make it the hero of a story. That'd be really cool because she thinks she's a polar <laughs> monkaroo because she growls like a bear. She climbs like a monkey and she bounces around like a kangaroo. So we just came up with that. And she's like, you know, very cool. But you can make your own monsters. You can make whatever it is. But I, I, I'm telling you that there's a lot of things that you can add into a story that aren't original. You can go and you yeah. can rewrite Sherlock Holmes books if you want right. to, because that's all yeah. public domain. But it's your twist on it. It's what you're thinking. It's, it's how you write it. It's how you tell a story, you know? So if you're really good at sitting in a bar and telling a story and everybody's entertained, you might want to try writing. You know, it's all about the story. It's not about, you know, oh, you misspelled a word on page 32 because everybody's got spelling errors, even Stephen King. Yep. Don't hold yourself up above, you know, and that's the other thing is don't hold yourself, you know, up to a standard that nobody else can live up to. 
everybody has problems with their scripts. And that's why you see version one, two, three, four, and 16 of a book. You know, that's why it gets republished. I mean, look at Harry Potter. How many times did she, I think she went through uh, like, what was it? 11 different reversions or revisions of her first book before is actually, you know, the one that you can buy now. Cool. Yeah. Because there's errors in it. There's, you know, Oh, well, this is bad grammar. This is this, you know, and the editors were picking up different things, but that happens. Even Stephen King's books, you know, go through, you know, multiple revisions, you know, they get published and it's like, Oh no, there's an error here. Well, a version two and we'll add something else, you know, or whatever. I mean, that happens, you know, so don't get dismayed if you're writing something and somebody says, Oh my God, you can't, you can't write. You know, I, I, anybody who has criticisms, I dare you to write the perfect book in one draft. Yep. I dare Absolutely. you show me. <laughs> so right. we've talked about movies and we've talked about books and we'll talk more about your podcast in a moment, but I want to combine the worlds of movies and books because we all know those of us who love to read, we all know that there is really only one movie that is better than the book it was based on and that's Forrest Gump I will not argue that with anyone um (laughs) but in your opinion what is a book that is way better than the movie version that people should read if they haven't already okay my 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 latest fix you know I'm fixated on because next Netflix canceled it but I thought the book is awesome is absolutely awesome and the Netflix series is awesome but it's not as awesome as the book, but it's, you know, you could, you could watch the movie and read the book and not and, be disappointed and not be disappointed, but you can also read the book and watch the movie or, or watch the series. And there's two seasons of it and be like, Oh, wow. They did a really good job. They did about as good of a job as they could have adapting a book to a Netflix series. And that would be altered carbon. Oh yeah. Yeah. Great choice. You know, Great that choice. is, you know, a fantastic book. I mean, yeah. And, and here's my problem with it. I actually had an idea kind of like that. And I was trying to figure out how you could pass, how you could actually obtain uh, immortality. Yeah. You know, the same way that they do with, with that. And I was sitting there, I, I just was thinking about it. I wrote it down my in my big fat book of ideas that may, may or may never happen. And it was like, God, that would be really cool. You know, let's go out and see what else is out there. And I found Alter Carbon. And, you know, sometimes you read things and you're like, I could never do as good of a job as this guy did. Uh Uh-uh. No. Oh, and I love that they use the format of a series as well, because usually what makes movie versions worse than the book is that they have to cut out so much because the richness that authors are able to put into really just a single sentence can take an hour to explain on a movie. So the fact that they use the the series format really allows them to get in and really play with those characters, play Mm -hmm. with those relationships and play with that richness. I love it. I do too. I, I really, I almost prefer the series over a movie when you're, when you're yeah. adapting a book. I really yeah. do. You know, there's a, even, even the, like the Stephen King movies, you know, they do not even, you know, as much of a hand as he had in, in those, or even the Neil Gaiman uh, yeah. influenced movies and TV series, you can tell a difference between the TV series or the, the series versus the movies, because there's some director there saying, okay, this has to be, two hours and three minutes it's two hours and six minutes so we have to cut this final piece out you know it's like 
Uh, we can't really go into that extra character because there's too much stuff that would make it an R-rated film and we want to keep yeah. it PG. Like, yeah, yeah. I would say my favorite um, or the book that I think is way better than the movie, even though the movie is already awesome, would be um, Chuck Palahniuk's Fight Club. Um, the the <laughs> great movie, I would say top 10 of my movies. Uh, but the book, there is so much more in the book that just is passed by in the movie that they really get into when you're reading it. So that's See, my recommendation. I'm, I'm the, I, I watched the movie before I read the book. Yeah. And now I can't watch the movie. Yeah. Same. Same. It's just like, you know, it, yeah, it was, it was a good movie when it came out. You read the book and then watch the movie and you're like, oh, oh, uh, oh, <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I wish yeah. that they would go back and redo the movie because they, they missed so much, so much. <laughs> they did. You know, like you said, it, they did a good job with it. And if you're just going to watch a movie, yeah, it's a good it's a good flick, you know, um, but the book's so much better. Yeah. You know, and yeah. and I, I I think what happens is people run out of time and they don't yeah. think they have enough time to re- to read a book, and yeah. so they'll watch a two hour movie versus spending two hours reading a book, you know, type thing. And and yeah. you know, it, it it makes no sense logically. It's just it's easier because you don't have to, you know, you don't have to concentrate as much for the movie. I guess I don't know. No, that's why they have audio books. Like there is literally no excuse anymore, people. <laughs> no excuse. Nope. Movies are always better than the books unless it's Forrest Gump. That's that's the moral of the story. Did you so say before, movies are always better than the book? I mean, no. I mean, I mean, I was uh, the wanting books are to make better sure than that the everyone... movies, except for Forrest Gump. Okay. Yeah, I, I mean, every just I'm picking out my keen listeners. That's Edit. what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> Waving my hands. Edit this out. No, no uh, stop, 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 stop. Okay, three, two, one. Start over again. <laughs> Welcome back, everyone. <laughs> that right. promotional uh, spot was brought to you by Klingons. No. <laughs> by this, the Klingon Dictionary. <laughs> <laughs> by so yours now we... on Amazon. <laughs> before we wrap up, I want to talk about your podcast because I okay. think it's so cool that you are creating this platform, not just for the authors that are on their press tours that are scheduled by their agents and they're popular and you see them in Barnes and Noble and their Amazon bestsellers, but you also help to spotlight indie authors. And for the most mm-hmm. part, you're, you're heavily spotlighting these indie authors. And I think as, as a passive, um, passive listener and as someone who who would like to one day write a book a proper book one day I find it really inspiring that you share these stories and you you kind of highlight the the person behind the book and not just the book itself and so what inspired you to to highlight not just the popular authors and to shine a spotlight on the indie authors too when I first started writing books and writing short stories nobody wanted to talk to me Mm. Uh, I was the odd kid in school, you know, just like, Hey, I'm kind of interesting. Nope. Don't want to talk to you. You've only, you've only done a short story. It's like, okay, that's cool. So I wrote a novel and then again, it's like, yeah, you know, yeah, you haven't, you haven't written, you know, you just got one out there. I mean, maybe that's the only one ever going to write. Why would I waste my time on you? So then, you know, I had three. And people started saying, oh, okay, well, you know, we'll talk to you or whatever. And I got kind of upset 
at the format of most podcasts uh, when they have to do with an author, because it's, you know, question and answer that cut you off. And I never really felt like anybody could really get my demeanor or understand who I am based on those podcasts. All they knew is that I could answer 15 questions that they sent me two weeks prior to the, to the show. <laughs> and maybe I got to answer it. Maybe I didn't depending on whether or not we ran out of time and there's yeah. no follow-up questions or anything like that. And so I was sitting there thinking after my last podcast that, and I have to admit, I was not sober at the time. And I was talking to some other authors and I was just kind of thinking that uh, out loud that I could do it better. And so, you know, it was kind of a put up or shut up kind of moment. And so then that was in September and uh, in October, it's like, Hey, I got a podcast. Anybody want to be on it? And everybody did, you know, just kind of interesting. I just, I started booking out and I'm, you know, trying to figure out how to uh, not take so many authors um, on because it's, I could, I could do three or four interviews a day if I, if I opened it up. Yeah, I need somehow I need to meter this a little bit. And it's yeah. not because I don't want to highlight the authors, all the authors out there. It's that um, I have other things to do during the day, like write my own books and, <laughs> uh, you know, make a living and, you know, stuff like that. That's like, I love doing the podcast, but I have to kind of limit it a little bit. And so what I did was I created a uh, kind of a, a tiering system. So I only take so many authors that have that have published eight or more books. Cool. And then anybody that's between the um, one in seven books, um, I only take so many of those. And then I have spots open for people that have published their first book. Cool. And so what I want to do, and, and the whole purpose of the platform is, is that those of us who actually have kind of a following, you know, of a couple thousand, to, you know, 10,000, you know, readers, you know, we, we do the podcast and, you know, you read the readers actually get to, you know, you send it out in your newsletters or you, yeah. you publicize it however you want to. Hey, I'm on this podcast. You know, and you get some that, that actually watch it and listen to it just because they, they like seeing their author, you know, one of their favorite authors. And then you get these other people who are kind of, you know, stuck in the middle. They're not quite there yet. And you interview them and then, you know, they have exposure to these other readerships that may or may not like their books. And then you have the ones that just published their first book. They're all nervous and everything else. And I want to give them exposure too. So, you know, I'll, I'll trinkle, I'll, I'll sprinkle those in to the podcast. And my hope is, is that it becomes a launching pad for people. So when, you know, the, the bigger authors have, have books that they brought out that, you know, it can be just a kind of a thing that works with their publicist and everybody else. It's like, okay, here, here's a place I can go. We can talk about my book. We can talk about all sorts of other things. And if a, an author, and like I said, all authors are really awesome. They all have their own special techniques and, and there's things about their personality that they put in the books that resonate with the readers. Okay. Not The reader doesn't always understand that. So if they get to listen to their favorite author or this newest author that they started following, kind of, you know, tell them a little bit about their life and the things that they're struggling with and the things that they've done and, and what influenced them to write their books and just other things. I truly think that endears their readership. Yeah. You know, it's, Oh, I love them. This is why I like the, the way they write because I went through that same thing or, you know, whatever, you know, I, 
I just, I, I think it's a good idea. It's just, it's just, uh, you know, putting it all together and making sure that everybody has an equal footing. So like I said, I, I kind of match it up in, in tiers and say, okay, I want so many of this, so many of that. And then bring in the newbie uh, indie authors who get no exposure except for whatever they can pay for. You know, um, one of the problems with being a new indie author is you don't understand all the scams out there. So, you know, mm-hmm. anybody emails you and says, Hey, if you give me 30 bucks, I'll tweet your book. Yay. Okay. You just waited. You just wasted 30 bucks. Come on to my podcast. I don't charge you a doggone thing and I'll throw you out to everybody that, uh, you know, I get, uh, you know, a good amount of people listening to it week from week. So it's like, you know, it's a start. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I love that you base it on stories too. You show people the behind the scenes, who the author is, what inspires them. So it kind of sets that frame so people can connect with authors, regardless of where they have been on the charts or how many books they've published, Mm -hmm. because it's about the story. Like we, we forget when we're reading and we forget when we're in the publishing industry, that it's ultimately about the story and the impact that story has on the reader bottom line. It's not about how many copies you've published. It's not about if it comes in hardcover. It's not about if it smells like a great new book. It's mm-hmm. the story that matters. I love that. Exactly. So how can people find your podcast? <laughs> if you go to DIYwriter.com or if you look me up on anywhere where you happen to be listening to a podcast, I am all over the place. Just look up DIY writer. Um, I'm on YouTube. Uh, if you look up Real Bacon Jeff, you can see all about me on Instagram, you know, and, and ooh, I know, um, <laughs> you know, Instagram something that's kind of cool. I want to bring the podcast over to IGTV. Um, I'm trying to figure out how to do that within the constraints of, you know. I'm thinking about just taking highlights and throwing them out there yep. and then leading them back to the, uh, you know, whatever, yep. but the full length podcasts are on YouTube, Podbean, iTunes, Audible, Pandora, iHeart, and God knows what else, Stitcher, Spotify, blah, 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 blah. <clears throat> so, oh, that's yeah. fantastic. Thank you so much for joining us. Do you have any last words for everyone? Go write something. Go yep. out, write something, create something. You know what? Don't worry about being criticized. Go out there and do it. Create something, and if you love it, somebody else will too. Oh, I love that. Uh, You have inspired me because 2021, I know that I'm writing a book. I'm writing a nonfiction book right now about inspiring leaders, uh, but I feel like I need to complement that with a piece of fiction beside it. So that's going to be on my bucket list for 2021. And once that's ready and done and published, I'm going to be on your show. How's that sound? That sounds great. (laughs) Oh, Jeff, thank you so much for joining us. It's been an absolute blast. For those of you guys listening at home, make sure that you check out Jeff's podcast because I know that there is a writer in each and every one of you. You guys have incredible stories. And maybe if you don't feel inspired to write your own stories, connect with people in your community, your loved ones, your neighbors. I'm sure that you'll get amazing inspiration from them as well. So let's connect again and find me on all of your favorite social platforms, my friends, on Instagram. I'm Three Pines Leadership on everywhere else. I'm Coach Molly with an E. And of course, come hang out in the Visibility Hackers Facebook group. We'd love to have you there. So you can find me at visibilityhacking.com and you can find me on our next episode. Guys, thank you again for joining me. I will see you in our next episode. And until then, remember, I love you and be excellent to each other.